Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Back at home for a year, tucking them in the bed and reading that story every night. Thousands of Americans, tens of thousands, have had that experience. As the English poet John Milton wrote, they also serve who only stand and wait. All the mothers and fathers, sons and daughters, spouses, all those who stand alongside our veterans and their families, caregivers, survivors, you are the solid steel spine that bears up under every burden. That's President courageous Joe Biden heart. speaking at Arlington National Cemetery. Tony Katz, great to be with you. Tony Katz today, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. The importance of remembering Veterans Day. And there are, there are so many who desperately want to just think of it as another day. Because to think about veterans is to think about sacrifice, think about giving something up or serving your nation, and that means the nation must have value. And there are many people out there who don't want you to think that the nation has value. But of course it does. And how do we go about encouraging people to follow that instinct, to to not only love their country, but warts and all, but be willing to defend it. Senator Todd Young joins us right now from the great state of Indiana, my state, of course. Uh, he is the senator served in the U.S. Marine Corps. And I do have some breaking news and things to get into with you. Uh, but you have on your Twitter feed uh, there uh, a conversation about your time in, in the military uh, serving uh, the country. Uh, a quick, sir, so we can because we know you're going to do it. Uh, your thoughts on Veterans Day. Well, Tony, thank you for having me on on uh, such a uh, such a special day. Uh, this is, of course, as, as you said in your lead in a time when we remember those who served in freedom's army, uh, you know, protected our rights and our freedoms and, um, and and done it from the very beginning, from Lexington and Concord to um, Abbey Gate in Afghanistan. Recently, uh, each generation has consistently stepped up. And I would say, sort of in answer to your question, the way we can get future generations to step up, to answer the call of duty, to raise their hand and say, I love my country enough to uh, even give my life for it, is to honor our veterans, uh, teaching a lesson through our example to our children and grandchildren. I I go about watching the politics like you do, sir, but I, I get the, the luxury of, of not having to then work with these people and try and create legislation. Uh, it is hard to take a look at the other side of the aisle right now in the main, although there can be specific people, and think that they have the same view of America and the idea of a value in America as you do. You're, you're up to it. You, you are nose to nose with it. Is that assessment, which is held by me, and I would argue millions of Americans and certainly millions of Hoosiers, uh, is that is that assessment off base? And it, do you do you feel there's a way to bridge that gap and bring people back to at least an understanding that America has value? So I, I think in the sense that, uh, you know, has the National Democratic Party been taken over by uh, a group of far-left ideologues, 
uh, who want to deconstruct our history, uh, who embrace and sorry about that, and, and who, who who embrace and 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 put forward a, a narrative for our children and our grandchildren and everyone else that uh, we are an irredeemably flawed nation. Uh, yes, uh, I do think that that's currently the situation. There are patriots who self-identify as Democrats, as Republicans, as independents, and, and, and we all understand that. And I think that's the majority of Americans. But the National Democratic Party has indeed been hijacked by far-left extreme ideologues. And, and, um, and there are elements within the Democratic Party that no doubt want to fight back against that. But I, I think it's a real problem. And that's why I'm really encouraged that the American people have been staying vigilant and attending school board meetings, staying involved in, in their national politics, speaking out, saying we, we did not want a revolution. We wanted a restoration of some semblance of normalcy. Uh, we we want to get through uh, the current economic troubles. We want to secure a border. I mean, just common sense things, and that's not what we're getting from the far-left Democratic Party, which unfortunately narrowly controls uh, the the levers of power in Washington. Well, we'll get to where we think the Senate's going in 2022, talking to Senator Todd Young of Indiana. Now let's get into what we're seeing around the globe. And when I do get with you, I, I try and dig a little more into the, the foreign policy. This is Secretary Anthony Blinken uh, stating that the United States, the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, saying that the United States would take action. That's the quote. Action if China were to use force uh, to, well, basically retake Taiwan and never mind that they claim Taiwan is theirs, but a conversation of physical force to take over Taiwan. They are already uh, engaging in a series of, of air exercises over Taiwanese airspace. The United States is prepared to get into a physical confrontation with the Chinese military? I think uh, what I heard... Uh, from your readout there, uh, Tony, is action. To me, that word is sufficiently ambiguous to maintain um, some uncertainty in the minds of foreign leaders, Xi Jinping in particular, uh, but also other you know, bad actors uh, uh, about what precisely the United States will do. I think the U.S.'s official position, and maybe he should have been clearer about this, is we will stand up for the democratic countries of the world, for those who, who you know, uh, don't violate the rules of, of uh, you know, free trade, uh, who don't steal our intellectual property, uh, who, who um, are not threatening the United States of America uh, with military power, all of which uh, the Chinese Communist Party is doing. So uh, we need to align ourselves very closely with all these nations. And um, uh, China knows that the threat is, is it should be and is very high if they intend to take any aggressive measures against our friends. If they were to occupy Taiwan, uh, Tony, I, I think it's really important everyone know uh, that is that's a key piece of real estate, not only because they produce most of the computer chips uh, that our country relies on for high end pro products and thus you know, helps us run our economy. But they would also then get a foothold in what's called the first island chain around China. 
if they get a foothold there, splitting in half that island chain, then they will essentially be able to interrupt most of the international trade routes that bring goods and services uh, to and from our shores, and our very way of life will be undermined. So we cannot allow uh, China uh, to occupy uh, Taiwan, and I, I think an expression of bold action, if they were to attempt to, is uh, appropriate. Now, you're getting no disagreement from me about this. I am absolutely somebody who understands uh, China's aggression, uh, China's issue, our issue with China, what we're talking about, uh, about the future of, of trade. But the question that I asked was that, was is this U.S. military and is this U.S. military leadership prepared to sink Chinese ships in the Taiwan Strait? Because action, I agree with you, sir, is absolutely an ambiguous term. But when we talk about taking action, China's already declared taking action is taking Taiwan. How else does one stop China from taking that action unless you're going to sink destroyers in the Taiwan Strait? Yeah, so you do want to ensure that the, that the Taiwanese are equipped uh, to defend themselves, and they have been purchasing the wrong weapons to do so. So our military has actually been on the ground in Taiwan for the last year plus, extending back to uh, the Trump administration. You have U.S. Marines on the ground training forces. Uh, we are beginning to equip very rapidly the Taiwanese military with the appropriate tools to, to help defend themselves. We do have other military forces, ships, et cetera, uh, nearby. We have strengthened our alliance with allied countries who can help here as well, Japan and, and Australia. And we are working with the Taiwanese so that they can become a sort of porcupine, very difficult to swallow, um, meaning uh, you, you, you make the country uh, such that, you know, the booby trap, the fabs will no longer be useful, et cetera, and so on. And, and, and so those measures are really important. What we also need to guard against is, is the occupation of the Taiwan Straits by a bunch of what appear to be like fishing cutters. The, the Chinese have a real habit of putting, you know, thousands of vessels out into a piece of ocean, supposedly to fish. These, these uh, vessels happen to have guns on them, and they never leave. So... Um, that's why it's really important that we've increased the number of military sorties uh, 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 across uh, the area and, um, and that we continue to run our ships through the Taiwan Straits. Talking, as, to, as Senator, show of force. talking to Senator Todd Young of Indiana. You can go to young.senate.gov to learn more. This is a conversation that you and I will dig into more of at, at another time and hopefully sooner rather than later. But when you are on your, your Senate website, something that you are touting is you and Senator Ted Cruz and urging uh, the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, to enforce federal immigration laws. We have this caravan that's coming to the United States, whether it be Haitians or, or others in it, demanding entry into the United States, telling Joe Biden he has to uh, say yes and allow them into uh, the United States. Uh, there seems to be no seriousness about dealing with this issue from the administration. 
What good is urging the Secretary of Homeland Security? Look, President Biden uh, has been irresponsibly avoiding problem after problem ever since he came into office. This is probably the most obvious daily manifestation of it that we see. We are approaching roughly 2 million people uh, who illegally have crossed our border just since the beginning of the year, since he took the oath of office. This is a national security issue at a time of heightened risk of terrorism in the wake of Afghanistan. This is a public health risk. We're telling our children they need to mask in schools, but we've got millions of people crossing our southern border uh, who we know aren't, aren't, aren't vaccinated. Um, this is a rule of law issue. This is a labor market issue, as some of these uh, folks will be competing for Americans for jobs. You go on and on. A, a nation without borders is not truly a nation. So we need to finish building the wall. There, I, I have visited. I served in the Marine Corps along the southern border. I went back to the very spot I, I had served in, and, and the amount of human trafficking and drug trafficking blows the mind. There are contractors on the ground who still occupy trailers, and, and they're not doing any work. There are supplies to finish building the wall, and uh, people, you can see them walking across, walking across with little children without their parents oftentimes. They're being trafficked across. Um, this needs to stop, and the American people know it needs to stop, and the administration's not listening. So uh, I will continue to work with, with, with Ted Cruz, I'll work with any of my colleagues, Republican or Democrats, who want to tackle this in an aggressive way. But it's really a, it's going to require presidential leadership. And I, I'm glad you're bringing this up, Tony, because the media, you know, television media, uh, our, our newspapers, I understand that the zone has been flooded by crises from supply chain to inflation to Afghanistan to, uh, to, to the border and, and so on. But this needs to be covered. Well, so sir, I'm all in, Tony. We, we, we're covering. You, you, you want to walk down the streets with me. You want to go visit some friends. They're covering, and that's all across the country. But you brought up the right point. It's clear that the Biden administration, and it's clear that the progressive wing within the House of Representatives, the progressive caucus, it's clear, it's clear that the Chuck Schumer set have no interest in actually addressing this. Give me in 60 seconds one thing Congress can do, House and Senate, one thing they could do to make things better for you, me, and we, and for the American people on the border. Build the wall. Finish the wall. And reinforce our Customs and Border Patrol. We need more boots on the ground. Right there. We need proper resourcing, but more than that, we need the leadership to put those resources in the right place. That's it. Senator Todd Young, I appreciate you taking the time. Next time, we're going to get more into this China-Taiwan uh, conversation about what it takes, and then we'll talk about uh, you're running for re-election. I, I would be remiss if, if I didn't bring that up. You've got a primary challenge. We'll get into the, the, the whole thing, sir. Senator Todd Young, I appreciate you taking the time. You go to young.senate.gov uh, for the senator. Always a pleasure, sir. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz. So the Rittenhouse trial is continuing. And right now the prosecution is having the video played 
that shows, for example, Kyle Rittenhouse shooting uh, this guy, uh, Gage Grosskreutz. I think it is Grosskreutz and not Grosskreutz. And shooting him in the arm and showing that when his hands were up, no shots. When he then turned and, and, and started coming at him, gun in hand, pointed at him, that's when Kyle Rittenhouse shot. Then again, man, yesterday just changed to freaking everything. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, it is great to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. The phone number, 833-GOT-TONY. Happy to talk to you. 833-468-8669. I mean, on the Rittenhouse trial, do you see it differently than me? You think that Rittenhouse is guilty? You one of these people? It's like, why was he even there? I think it's a, it's a fine question to ask, but isn't one about the law? Because why is anyone anywhere? Why is anyone anywhere? The idea of why was he even there, he shouldn't have been there, is the same mathematics that people utilize for police officers and asking why'd they get out of the car. What do you mean why'd the police officer get out of the car? Their job's to get out of the car. Well, they didn't. If they hadn't gotten out of the car, there wouldn't have been any problem. So much of this conversation about Rittenhouse takes away from the fact that there was a riot going on. How about this why were any of them there? They were there to engage in the acts of violence. So I've, I've got more on, on the Rittenhouse trial. I've, I've got uh, William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind legal insurrection. We're going to be uh, breaking things down with, with him. How crazy was it to put this guy, Kyle Rittenhouse, on the stand. It was crazy, except it worked out. It clearly worked out and worked out well. I also have some of the best stuff in the world for you from, from Kamala Harris. And remember, the reason you don't like Kamala Harris, the reason her uh, approval numbers are so low is because America is a racist and sexist country. You see... From, from that, and you see from this trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, they desperately need the country to be racist. It's as if they don't have an existence without it. I'll have those stories coming up. Also, your phone calls, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. This is Tony Katz today. There is no way the Biden administration understands what's going on in the economy. There's just no way. They don't live with us. They don't understand us. They don't ask us questions. It's, it's obvious that there is this incredible disconnect. And there's this incredible disconnect as to why people aren't going back to work. It doesn't somehow reach the, the, the desks of those who are supposedly ostensibly in charge that the arguments that they are making don't also require the responses that they are giving. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 
So great to be with you. 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. People have been calling about Kyle Rittenhouse and, and that trial. You, 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 have, you think that uh, this judge has been wrong in, in his conversations with the prosecution? You think the prosecution makes sense? You think they should lock him up and throw away the key and the laws uh, don't matter? I want to hear from you, 833-GOT-TONY. But this was Mika Brzezinski on MSNBC asking questions of the Transportation Secretary, Pete Buttigieg. We are in a very different place right now, and I need to understand the, the explanation for that. Is it the checks that many argue uh, that keep Americans from wanting to go back to work? Uh, what exactly do you mean when you say people want a better job? Because right now... Anybody in America can go and try and get a service, and there will there'll be a, a company or a business that doesn't have someone working there to help them. So, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people did blame the checks, but as we saw, uh, when the checks ended, uh, this issue continued. So we know that it goes deeper than that. Uh, and I do think it has to do with some of these other concerns. Uh, yes, the child care issue is not new, but it is uh, a greater crunch than ever, even compared to a year or two ago, which is why it's so important for us to support child care. I mean, again, I think the underappreciated dimension of the Build Back Better agenda, what I call part two of the, of the, the big deal, part one being the transportation and infrastructure bill we just passed. Part of that is that that's actually going to ease these labor market pressures. And it's not just us in the administration saying it. A lot of very respected economists have pointed to that same effect and how it could also help with inflation. The argument that people are dealing with their kids at home and don't have childcare could indeed be a reason, one we have discussed here, as why people aren't going back to work. Because they don't have a security in their kids being able to go to school, whether it's forced quarantines or things like that. And so there is some uncertainty. Then there's the idea of people being uncertain because they're actually afraid of COVID when I don't believe they should be afraid of it. The difference between being afraid and being aware. But let's make the argument that some people aren't going back because... What they don't have is the child care. Let's make that argument. It still doesn't require a government fix. It requires people getting back to work. Part of the problem, part of the issue of the Pete Buttigieg's of the world, they believe that their job is to provide some kind of answer that involves a government program that never, ever, 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 ever goes away. CNN is right now running. That a year ago, a family of four was spending $674 a month on groceries, and now they're spending $870 plus on groceries. Real dollars. That's inflation. And they're worried that inflation is going to have an effect, could stall Biden's economy. First, Biden doesn't have an economy. This is a misnomer. This is this is crazy. That's like saying Hunter Biden has artistic ability. No, he doesn't. Although I got to admit, I think he's got some lovely colors he's working with. But he's not Hockney. He's not Pollock. He's not Rodin. He also doesn't do sculpture that I know of. There is no economy. There is only trouble not on the horizon, but existing here and now. That's what there is. And yet you have Joe Biden 
repeatedly, everywhere, playing down the inflation. This administration pretending that everything is 100% fine. You're all being silly. I don't know why you don't understand that Joe Biden has got everything completely and totally, 100%ally under control. How can you not understand this? People do not buy into it because they're living the life. No one is listening to Joe Biden pull on this, put on this impression. Remain calm. All is well. No one. No one's remaining calm because things are not all well. Joe Biden talking about the economy. Everything from a gallon of gas to a loaf of bread costs more. And it's worrisome, even though wages are going up. The wages going up has already been absorbed. The inflationary pressure has already taken away anything that the wage growth was going to be able to offer. This is a speech Joe Biden gave uh, yesterday. And I mean, well, thanks for the honesty. So everything you're paying this much for a gallon of gas? In some parts of California, they're paying $4.50 a gallon. We assume that's going to happen in the Midwest as well. And then, of course, our supply chain issues. They go to the store online and they can't do My computer just froze. They go to the store and they can't find what they want. That's right. They go to the store and they can't find what they want. And it has a lot to do with people not going back to work. The idea that it is all childcare is a misnomer. But there could certainly be a level of childcare involved in the conversation. The question before us is, is this something for government to fix with a government program that costs the taxpayer money and takes away from their ability to increase their wages because you're increasing the taxes? That's the question. Why is everything to these people a government response necessary? Look, we're clearly going through some deep transformations in what it means to be a worker uh, and what it means to be a customer in this country. Those transformations can end up in a very good place for American workers, but we've got to get through this period by making it easier for people to be able to return to the workforce. Secretary um, Pete Buttigieg, I still don't understand the the, the problem that's happening right now. I mean, if you're telling me that Build Back Better will bring people back to work, because of much needed and long needed issues like childcare and pre-K, that still doesn't explain why people aren't coming to work today, especially when companies are trying to raise their salaries as much as possible. Um, We have the prices of goods going up. It's more expensive to live. Why aren't people coming back to work right now? Why are we in this crisis where, whether it's sitting on a plane for four hours to wait for a fuel truck driver or walking into a store that has no workers in it or going to a gas station that doesn't have someone to pump the gas? That's Mika Brzezinski. I mean, that that's the end of times kind of stuff right there. You have just found yourself agreeing With Mika Brzezinski. Why aren't they coming back to work right now? And there's only one of two answers that can possibly be given. Either they are so afraid of COVID, they are willing to starve to death. 
and and freeze to death. Uh, we should note, and we've been talking about it, that the heating oil prices, oh, they are going to go up in a big, big, big way. This was a report from uh, a uh, from CBS News. The U.S. Energy Information Administration forecasts all major home heating bills will increase significantly because of higher fuel costs and potentially colder weather this winter. For the nearly half of U.S. households who heat with natural gas, the cost is expected to rise 30% this year. The 5% who use propane and the 4% who primarily use heating oil will likely see their costs go up 54% more and 43% more. For the roughly 40% of U.S. households who use electricity, prices are expected to increase just a bit, about 6%. No matter who you are, your energy bill is going up. It's going up. It can't be denied. Your food bill, in terms of groceries, what it is you buy at the store, those staples and other things have gone up in the hundreds of dollar category. The inflation has increased the price of everything you do. So let's go back to Mika's point, which is the right one. People still aren't going to work. So either they are so afraid of COVID, they're willing to starve to death or freeze to death, or they're getting the money somewhere else. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your politics are. There are only two possible solutions here. Either they are willing to freeze to death and starve to death, or uh, if if you want to say starve to death and freeze to death, I mean, you can put them in any order you want, or they're getting the money from somewhere else. There there, There is no other solution. You got one? 833 got Tony. 833-468-8669. 833-468-8669. How does Pete Buttigieg answer the question? Well, again, I would not ignore the issue of uh, child care. I would not issue, ignore the issue of uh, uh, safety. Some people still concerned about returning during the course of the pandemic. I would- the eye roll that Mika Brzezinski gives when he says I wouldn't uh, ignore child care is so great. Because in the eye roll, you learn two very important things. Number one, no matter how hard you try, you cannot deny reality. And number two, everybody knows that Pete Buttigieg is a dope. He is in over his head. He can't do this job. Don't give me that eye roll there, Producer Ari. Dope. He can't, smart guy, that he's Red Proust doesn't mean he's capable of doing the job. He can't do it. Why? Because let's go back to where we started. No one in this administration talks to us. He is making the assumption on child care because his base wants government paid for child care. But he never once walked the streets of South Bend where he was mayor for eight years doing a miserable job asking people what it is they need. He has never once walked the streets of Tulsa, Oklahoma. He has never once walked the streets of St. Louis and said, what is it that you need to get your butt back to work? What is it that's preventing people from getting themselves back into your workplace? They never do it. They don't ask. They don't try because to do that, it may require them to realize that their ideology is a bunch of hot garbage. Nonsense that does not pass the smell test outside of the faculty lounge. 
in our real world, in our real world, we deal with a much different reality because we ask each other questions and we deal with these things on a daily basis. If business owners really thought that the issue was childcare, they would offer free childcare and not college. But you'll see a lot of people offering up jobs where they'll offer you free college. Not, why aren't they offering up free childcare? You mean government has the answer, but the market doesn't? Stop it. Stop it with that ignorance. The market doesn't know what to do, but Pete Buttigieg, who worked three and a half hours at McKinsey and was a terrible mayor for eight years, he's got it right. Can, can we not do this to each other? Can we please not treat each other like complete and total crap? Can we pretend for just a moment, for just a moment, that we got this under control? That we know that that's not true? They don't talk to us. This is why Barack Obama worries about the price of arugula. We're not eating arugula, although it is delicious, a little peppery. Oh, it's worthwhile. Me, I happen to be a romaine iceberg man. There's something about the crunch, and it's the size that, that works for me. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a mixed field greens kind of guy. It's just not, just not how I roll. And also, I'm old school. You can give me all the vinaigrettes in the world, but ranch dressing is delicious, and that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm doing. And most importantly, I'd rather be eating a steak. When's the last time that the Commerce Secretary went to go talk to a farmer? When's the last time the Transportation Secretary just drove to any stop on Route 66? We'll use that. On 70, on 74, whatever the case may be. And said, hey, I'm the Secretary of Transportation. You're a trucker. Let me ask you five questions. You would think in all that paternity leave, he could have picked up the phone. Maybe put up a poll on Twitter, something. But no, he doesn't. He doesn't understand because he doesn't want to. And here he is talking to Mika Brzezinski on MSNBC, who clearly on this subject understands, and he's still being obtuse, and she's had enough of it. If she's had enough of it, how in the bloody hell do you think the rest of us feel? They don't understand the economy. So please don't tell me about how the inflation is going to stall the Biden economic agenda. There is no Biden economic agenda. How do I know that? I actually talk to people. I'm Tony Counts. You see, how, how the Democratic Party works is you embarrass yourself, you shame yourself, you lose an election for, let's say, governor of Virginia, and uh, then uh, you get hired by the Biden administration. That's how it works. Standard operating procedure. Tony Katz, great to be with you, Tony Katz, today. Being reported that the um, Biden administration is trying to figure out 
how they can hire Terry McAuliffe. I, I, I got nothing. Democrats are unhappy. White House loves the undead corpse of Clintonism presented by Exxon. Good Lord. Holy cow, Sirota. I mean, I don't like the dude at all, but dang. There's always room for one more. Always room for one more. You can't say, you know what? You're going to have to actually go about earning a living all by yourself. So we're not done with Terry McAuliffe. We should be done with Kamala Harris. Oh, the latest. And, of course, the threat of violence in New York. I've got both those stories coming up. I'm Tony Katz.